I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or because of the season of life that I'm in right now, but I just have no interest in wasting time. I have no interest in just coming here and doing religious activities or just doing church or just... This morning, the prayer that I have been praying is that we would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit this morning that we would have an experience and that we would be changed in his presence. And I, the, oh, the worship was such a perfect setup. They did such a great job this morning. I just, I don't know about all y'all, but I was just completely enraptured by the presence of the Lord. And so um, I just want you to know that the message that I'm going to speak today is, is called the prayer for all believers. And again, this is one of my favorite passages, and this is a prayer that I I know is a prayer that contains power. And this whole section is just so deep and so practical and so spiritual. So I just want to ask you to pray with me because I want to deliver this message in a way that would enlighten you and, and that the Lord would be honored. So would you mind indulging me? Lord, it is your breath in our lungs that even gives us the ability to praise you. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for your promise that we're two or more gathered in your name that you'll be with us. Thank you that you're here, Lord. And Lord, you know the cry of my heart for these amazing people, Lord. Lord, I just believe, God, that you are raising up an army, Lord, and that you want to pour out your spirit and you want to bring your kingdom on earth, God, as it is in heaven, Lord. I believe that you want to use us to see your kingdom expanded, Lord. And so this morning, I just invite you, Lord, to just pour into me, pour through me, Lord, pour your spirit out. I ask for your wisdom and your guidance and that your name would be lifted up. Bless these people. Bless these people. Bless the kids in the kids' ministry, Lord. Bless the young adults at their retreat up in Heber, Lord. Bless the people that are sick today that couldn't make it, Lord. Those who are on vacation, Lord, pour out your spirit on the adventure, Lord. Pour out your spirit and speak to us this morning. We want to experience you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this morning, our text is going to be taken. You know, we're going through the book of Ephesians, and we're in chapter 3 already. (laughs) It's been like eight weeks or something. (laughs) Um, We're in chapter 3 of six chapters. And um, last week, Ira did a a great message on um, the purpose of of the church and the the profound mystery that God has displayed. Um, And... Because of our faith in him, it says in verse 12, it says, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. 
So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. And to be uh, authentic for real, I want to say I am in no way comparing myself to the Apostle Paul, (laughs) except to say that I believe that this scripture is true of me right now and you. I believe that the Lord is taking us through this season and that I am suffering for you so that you can know how to walk with him when you suffer, when the trials hit, when the storms of life hit, and they will. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In this world we will suffer. And, and you should be honored because I have begged God to get me out of this deal. <laughs> I have. And I made the mistake last week of saying, oh, I don't know how much more I can take. <laughs> don't ever say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so you know how people always say, oh, don't pray for patience because then God's going to put you through. Like God couldn't put you through something anyway, whether you prayed for patience or not. I mean, God knows our needs even before we ask. God knows that knows the areas where we need to be strengthened and where our character needs to be kind of tweaked and God is good, okay? He's good. He's always good. He's always, always, always good. I have never questioned that since Eric went to be with the Lord. I've never once questioned the goodness of God. I don't always understand the goodness of God. But who's wrong? Whenever you disagree with God, who's wrong? Hello. We are. So the scripture that I'm going to share with you this morning is a really practical prayer. It's, it's, it's titled the prayer for the Ephesians, but I really believe that it's the prayer for the church. It's the prayer for the body of Christ. And the Bible in the New Testament over and over and over talks about the church. And it's, I think, capital C, church, not little c, church. It's talking about the body of Christ. And You know, Christians, a lot of times they'll say, oh, I love God, but I can't stand the church. Well, that would be like telling a man that you love his wife, but you can't stand her body. You cannot love the head of Christ without loving the body of Christ. And you know what is so astonishing to me is that the body of Christ is so imperfect. That God would use, do you remember last week when Ira was talking the, the jars of clay? You know, that the, the jar that was cracked, but the light was shining out? That's us. We're so imperfect. We're fools for Christ, and yet he continues to use us to bring honor and glory to his name. Interesting plan, don't you think? That, he would, that a perfect God would use imperfect people to reveal himself to the world. But yet that's what he does. And so this is a prayer, a practical prayer that we can be praying for those that we love and those that we want to influence. And so this morning, again, I I couldn't care less about just filling your heads full of knowledge. I I have better things to do than that. You know, the, the scripture that says that they were ever hearing but never perceiving. I don't ever want to do that. The Lord called us out here 
in the year 2000, well, we moved in 99, but we planted the church in the year 2000 to make disciples, not to make church attenders or people who know lots of scripture. Disciples who are fully operating in the gifts and the callings that God has placed in their lives. That's why we're here. That's why we moved here with an awesome team. We came with an awesome church planning team. So by the end of this, we are going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. That's my desire for you guys this morning. That's why I've been crying out to God for you. So the scripture passage starts with Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. When I think of all this, back, refer back to what I just read to you about I'm suffering, take heart, God wants to reveal this through the church. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees, or I bow my knee, and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, like Don said earlier, his excess, the excess that God has, unlimited resources that he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide. How long, how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience or know the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's some good stuff. Good stuff, huh? Woo. Take that in. Drink that in. There is power in bowing or in kneeling before the Lord. When's the last time you knelt before the Lord. I know for you guys five minutes ago, but for the rest of you, (laughs) when's the last time that you knelt or bowed? You know, in many cultures, they bow. You know, they, like they see someone they respect and they will bow to them. But the kind of bowing that this is talking about is like a full kneeling down, getting on your face as a sign of reverence and respect and awe. Actually, one of the translations in, in the form of worship, when this is a, a form of worshiping God, like I said earlier, there's always a spiritual parallel to the physical. When you bow and you prostrate yourself before the Lord, there is a spiritual dynamic that takes place because you are completely helpless at that point. You are saying, I am completely needing you right now, God. I am powerless like it says, like the first step in the, in the AA, you know, it says I'm powerless. And so I just want to talk a little bit today about kneeling. And for those of you who, um, who are germaphobes or scared of dust mites like me, um, I have my little, 
little prayer, little thing here. So, well, I'm not scared of dust mites. I just hate sneezing because I'm allergic to them. So, but I'm going to show you some ways you can bow before the Lord. This is not a formula. I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest with you. This is, I, I'll, I'll show you. I'm going to take my shoes off because I don't want to fall over. You guys don't want me to either. Okay, so I just, I don't always lay this thing down, but I just want to show you my favorite position when I pray is this. There's something very powerful about getting on your face before your creator and bowing before him and declaring your absolute, utter desperation for him. Because we are absolutely desperate absolutely desperate. And if you don't know that you're desperate, you better better decide that you're going to decide you're desperate. <laughs> so he doesn't make you have to see how desperate you are. I always say he will use whatever means necessary to show us our desperation for him. But always remember it is in the context of his goodness. And therefore we can bow before him. We fall to our knees and pray to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, from whom, every, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. The Lord, the creator of the universe, the, the one who created all of nature, every ocean, every galaxy, every star, the sun, all of it, is the one we bow before. And yet, the Bible calls him the lover of our soul. So he's also so intimate. I'm going to get into this a little bit later, talking about this. But for now, just know there is something very significant about getting on your knees before your maker. And we're going to do that later. If you're physically able, we're going to get on our knees before the Lord and we're going to cry out to him. It says that we have to have strong roots. It says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Inner strength. This doesn't mean all kinds of stuff that you do on the outside. And if you lift your hands in worship or if you dance or if you pray out loud, really loud or yell or whatever, it's an inner strength, that when you go through trials and hardships, God will anchor you through his spirit. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Not as you trust in your circumstances or your own ability, you trust in him. It says, your group, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's the point. Look at this picture here. Look at those roots. Now imagine that the ground would come up right there. 
Now, do you think that when a hurricane or a storm would come, that if the ground was all the way up, these roots are exposed here, but imagine that this is below the surface. Do you, do you think that this tree is going to get blown away? Check it out, how complex. Now, I'm not much of a horticulturist, but I have Google, and so I consider myself a bit of an expert, <laughs> or Wikipedia, <laughs> also very reliable source. Um, what I learned in my studies was that there, there are four major functions of roots. Does anybody know what they are? Number one, function of roots. What do roots do? Wait, start over. They nourish the tree. What else? They, they cause fruit or they provide stability. What else? Yes. So the order that I saw, they absorb water. And Jesus says that he is water. That if we drink of him, we will never thirst again. It says that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, which means just being right with God, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. Filled to overflowing. Filled to overflowing. So absorbing water, anchoring the plant, supporting it, storing food and nutrients, and then making, producing vegetation or producing whatever leaves, whatever. And that's why in the process of pruning, the the dead branches have to be cut off because they'll continue to suck the nutrients and the water from the roots And so a lot of times when you're feeling like you've been pruned, which I'm clearly going through a season of pruning in my own life, it says that when those branches are cut off or those, those, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, Not the, not dead feathers. Um, That's not a spiritual thing. That's just a feather. (laughs) Um, the, the, The unproductive branches. Sucker branches, oh, sucker branches, yeah, perfect name for them, huh? They're sucker branches, cut the sucker branches off. <laughs> I just had a little violent streak there. <laughs> but that's, you want to get rid of those, and don't you want to have your sucker branches cut off? I don't want sucker branches anymore. I'm sick of sucker branches. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. Um, there is one tree called the Bashia albitrunca, I think, and it has the, the deepest roots of any plant in the world. It's almost 75 yards deep. For football fans, that's three quarters of a football field. 75 yards. Can you even imagine if a storm comes, you think the Bashia albitrunca is going to get uprooted? Don't you want your roots to go deep into the love of Christ so that when anything happens to you, you are grounded. You are still getting the nutrients. You're still getting that water. You're still producing fruit, regardless of what happened. Paul wrote this scripture when he was in prison. And he's talking about the love of God. What would most of us be doing? I feel so sorry for myself. I just didn't even deserve it. I didn't do anything wrong. 
they put me in prison and I did not do anything wrong, wouldn't we? Right? But what's Paul doing? He's going, no, you guys, this is awesome. You're going to have inner strength and your roots are going to grow deep. And no matter what happens to you, you're going to experience the love of God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's so amazing. And I want to just say that it is possible to experience the love of God. It is tangible. It's not just this thing that we know because it says here, you may have power to understand, as all God's people should. All you people should. We all should understand this. We should have power to understand this, that it is so wide and so long and high and deep. It is never ending. His love for us is never ending. It's four-dimensional and probably way more dimensional than that. It says, may you experience. Some translations say no. Again, this is the biblical term no, as in a husband and wife knowing one another. It's as intimate as it gets. It says that we can know, personally experience the love of Christ, even though it's too great to fully understand. We can experience it. We can have intimacy with a God who loves us. Even if we can't grasp how much he does. Even if we just feel so beaten down. I'll tell you, when I first became a Christian, I wrestled with this issue for so long. I did not believe God could love me. And the enemy, the accuser of my soul, had a whole list of reasons why God shouldn't love me. I was so insecure in my walk with the Lord. And if you had looked at me when I first came to the Lord, you would have said, she does not know Jesus. I was living with my boyfriend, smoking weed every day, getting drunk, looking at porn, smoking cigarettes, cursing like a sailor, name a sin, and I did it. But you know what? Jesus did something in my heart, and he started to change me. I'm not justifying doing all those things in case you think that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend any of them. But you know what? I had an encounter with God. And I don't, I'm not a person who just believes in having an experience if you can't find scriptural evidence to validate that that is a real experience. I don't just think that, you know, there's a lot of of, uh, Christians who will tell you all kinds of things that have happened, but you don't have any evidence in the word of God that that was actually an act of God. You know, and it says in the last days that there... Even the very elect will be deceived if that were possible. It says that there are going to be doctrines taught by demons. Doctrines which look very spiritual and very Christ-like, but that they are absolutely the spirit of the Antichrist. And that's why our roots need to go so, so, so deep in his love so that when every wind of doctrine comes or every trial or tragedy or hardship comes our way, We are going to be able to experience his love. And that's what happened to me. 
I was just going about my merry way, feeling so insecure, feeling like, how could God even love me? I am such a mess. I am such a basket case. And yet one day I was just kind of going about my way and I was kind of singing this little worship song. And it's not because I was singing a worship song. I don't believe that. It's just because I was doing this religious activity that God said, oh, there she's doing something religious. I better do something back. You know, that's self-righteousness, by the way. If you think, well, I give God my... I give God my first fruits. I give God 10% and he's not taking care of my finances. Well, or you say, well, I'm serving in kids ministry and, and I have all these problems. Or, you know, you, you think that if you do some religious activity, God owes you something. God does not owe us anything. He's already done it all. He needs to change us. He needs to change our character. We're like babies. We need to be changed once in a while. You know, <laughs> we can't sit in our stuff. And so... Anyway, um, so the experience of his love can be tangible. This is one of my little soapboxes that I talk about a lot because it was so significant in my walk with the Lord. I was just singing this little worship song, and all of a sudden I sensed his presence, and I was like, you're hearing me. You're listening to me. And that psalm came to me. It says that he, that his ears are attentive to the cry of the righteous. Not because I was righteous in my own works. I was righteous because I had surrendered to Jesus to whatever extent I could at that point. But I sensed his presence and he filled me to overflowing with his love. And I knew that I knew that I knew that he loved me. I knew he loved me. And at that point, everything changed about my walk with him. And I became secure in his love. So much so that now I always say that I'm God's favorite. And I know that's heretical. Okay, I get that. (laughs) But I feel like I am. You are too. We can all be his favorite because he's God. He can do that stuff. But I know there are those of you who are struggling with the same thing I struggled with. You don't feel secure. You don't believe he can love you this way. That's the prayer of my heart is that you would know that you would experience this love that is life-changing. Life-changing. And you know, the thing is that at the time that God did that for me, it's not like I was doing anything for him as far as religious activities or whatever you want to say. I I had to realize that he went to the cross for my shame as well as my sin and that he loved me and he wasn't sitting there looking at the same list that the evil one wanted to keep bringing up to remind me of how unlovable I was. And if you are struggling and wrestling with this lie today, I just want to tell you, I've been praying for you. I have been praying that God would come in and change you. 
and you would experience his love for real and it would change your life and that you would be complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Because, my dear friends, there is more. There is more that God has for us. It says, all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. All glory to God who is able. Not only is he able, he is willing His desire is that we would all come to him. His desire is that every single one of us would have a profound experience of his love. Every one of us. Every one of us. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, you are loved. And here's the thing. I just want to warn you. Don't ever compare his love to yours. One of my little things that kind of bothers me, and I'm sorry to be kind of a, I guess I'm getting to be a little bit of a crotchety old lady, but one of the things that kind of bothers me is, is the <laughs> ushers, security. <laughs> one of the things that kind of gets on my nerves is I call them the whiny worship songs. They're not really worship songs. They're all about me and I. And I just I struggle with that. Yeah, God knows. We go through hard times. I mean, there's the book of Psalms. There's, there's evidence that, you know, we should pour out our heart. But sometimes I think we focus so much on us and how we're doing that we forget to focus on him and how good he is. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, okay, I'm off that soapbox. So this particular passage is really, really dear to me because... Um, when Eric and I first got married, we were doing music full-time. We were working in a recording studio, and I, was, uh, I had a little business called Black Tie Entertainment. And so I would perform at different private events and functions and parties and such. And um, we went on a short-term mission, and I got pregnant. And so Eric kind of decided, maybe it's time for me to get like a legit job with a little bit more security. And um, so we started praying about that. And for five solid months, he did not know more than a day in advance what he was going to do. But for five months, God provided something every single day. It was truly miraculous. And it was hard. And it built our faith. And it showed us the faithfulness of God. He, He came through. But I had a piano student named Joan Hiraki. And one day, I just kind of mentioned to Joan, I said, yeah, my husband's looking for work. If you know anybody or anything, she goes, oh, well, my husband is involved with a little startup company called The Learning Company. She said, let me, let me just pass on your husband's resume. I'm like, <laughs> he got kicked out of three junior colleges. He, he, he had best penmanship in second grade in Sunnybrae Elementary, but <laughs> you don't usually put that on a resume. But um, he, he didn't have any accolades whatsoever to speak of. But anyway, Joan Haraki's husband's name was Dundee Maples. And Dundee Maples decided to take a risk and hire this wild man. But in the process of that, Eric had to go up for like nine interviews. And I became kind of like Job's wife. I'm like, just give up on them. They make you go up there all the time. And they have not even hired me. How inconsiderate. 
just being just a, not very faith-filled. <laughs> Let's just say that. And, and finally, one morning I woke up with this particular passage on my heart. And I, I learned it in the NIV originally. And it said, now all, it says, it says that God will provide exceedingly abundantly more than all we can imagine or ask. That's the scripture that I woke up with that morning. And I felt so convicted. And I thought, you know what? I am such a whiner. I have a great marriage. I have an awesome church, great friends. I'm pregnant. It was like, I just thought, you know what? I need to just start giving thanks. God is able to provide exceedingly more, exceedingly abundantly more than all we could imagine or ask. Well, that day they made an offer to Eric and, and, and it was like we were blown away. I mean, he had gone to nine interviews over the course of like four months. It was a long process. But when he went in for his interview, his very last interview, when they offered him the job, they said, um, well, how much do you, do you need to make? And he gave him an amount. And, excuse me. <clears throat> and he thought that it was a lot more than they were going to be willing to offer. But when he told them that amount, they said, no, we're going to pay you more than that because we, we believe in you. So they paid exceedingly abundantly more than all we could imagine or ask. And at that, at that time, you know, the Lord was preparing Eric to become a pastor. Everything that God taught him through the learning company applied to his life later on in the ministry. God does not waste any of our experiences, even the ones that we don't like. You know, as I mentioned, I've uh, been having a, a rough couple of weeks. And um, one of the things that I do to kind of escape when I'm in pain. Um, I like to go to the dog park. How many of you have been to the Draper dog park? Okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compare you to dogs. (laughs) Maybe I, maybe I will a little bit, but anyway, I just, I like to go to the dog park and I'm one of the people that just, there's like a walking track and I just circle that track, just walk walk and walk. And my dogs follow me and hope I don't leave them. You know, they're two little beagles and they're just prancing behind me and they just kind of follow me. And I kind of engage with people a little bit, you know, kind of say hi, ask them what breed their dog is or, you know, whatever. And um, But then there's another area in the dog park down in the, in the bottom of it. And it's like this area where like all the people are interacting and the dogs are playing and wrestling. And then there's another area where, you know, they're, they're throwing a ball and the dog's running after the ball. And, you know, it's just like it's a really lively place. But as the last time I went there, I thought, wow, the dog park reminds me a lot of church. You know? You know, you have the, you have the, the people that are, or the dogs or whatever, just circle in the track, sniffing each other's butts. Because <laughs> dogs do that. <laughs> and then there's the people that are down there interacting and hanging out and, you know, playing together and loving each other. And, and, and my question for you is, who are you? Are you a butt sniffer? Are you, are you one of those people that just kind of, you're just going about your merry way? You, you don't want to be bothered with relationships. Relationships are messy. People hurt us. 
We hurt other people. That's just part of it. But you know what? Can I just say this? And I say this in love because I just said butt sniffer, so I can say uh, this is not as bad. Suck it up. (laughs) People are going to hurt you. Forgive them. Forgive them. Don't be bound to them with your unforgiveness and your bitterness. Forgive them in the same manner in which you have been forgiven. You, You should forgive. Okay? Don't be one of those people that just you're circling the track. Be someone who's down there interacting and hanging out and playing and getting to know each other. Do that. And I'm not saying this. It has to. The thing is, I recognize that in making disciples, there's not a thing I can do to change your heart. Nothing. Ugh, frustrates me. As a reformed control freak, that frustrates me. (laughs) I want everybody, just like Paul prays here, that we should all know this. We should all know the love of God. I am so desperate for him. I am so desperate for him. I can tell you, if it wasn't for the love of God and the fact that he is near to the brokenhearted, I could not stand right now. I would go back to my former life. I would start doing drugs again. I would start taking painkillers and smoking weed and whatever else. But I can't because I love him. But that's not the big deal. The big deal is that he loves me, that his love will not let me go. That's the coolest thing ever. That's the coolest thing ever. And we're going to pray this prayer today. This is the way, you know, I have people oftentimes will will ask me to pray for their friends and relatives and coworkers. And if if you're someone who's done that, that's a noble thing. I'm, I'm not in any way saying this is not a good thing. But I do want to say that if we want to model the prayers that we find in the word of God, that's prayer that has power. Those are the prayers that have already been modeled. You know the average prayer in the Bible? Guess how long the average prayer in the Bible is? Like 15 seconds. And Jesus says, you think that you're going to be heard because you're many words. That's what he says to the Pharisees. Okay, he was, he was down on the Pharisees. Those are the only people that he ever rebuked, right? Do you ever remember Jesus rebuking the hookers? Or the sinners? Or the downtrodden or the poor? Did he ever say, you guys should get a job? Or the homosexuals? The only people Jesus ever turned and rebuked were the people who thought they were better than other people because of the things they did. I'm saying you are the chosen people that God wants to pour out his love into your heart so you have inner strength, so your roots will grow deep, so you can experience his love. And this is the prayer that you should pray. For your loved ones, your kids, your spouse, your co-workers, your neighbors, whomever. Not the prayers that say, Oh God, I just pray that my husband would stop being rude. <laughs> or, Lord, I just I, I pray that my son would stop looking at porn. Or he would stop smoking pot. Or the prayers that, you know, Lord, I just pray that my boss wouldn't be so greedy. I mean, 
those are symptomatic things. What you pray for people is that they would experience the love of God. If you want to raise godly children, hit your knees and cry out for them. And I'm going to give you this model, and I left uh, lines. This is the prayer that is found in verses 16 through 19. And I'm going to kind of show you how I do this. Um, Because I do pray this over you, and I pray it over my family, and I used to pray it over my husband. I pray that from your glorious unlimited resources, you will empower Caleb and Adelphi and Joshua and Rebecca and Rachel and Arthur and Rebecca with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in their hearts as they trust in him. Their roots will grow down into God's love and keep them strong. And may they have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May they experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then they will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is how you pray for people. Now, I'm not saying not to pray about those other things. But this is more important. This is at the root of all of it. And I don't, like when I, when I pray this, I don't like clump them all together like I just did now. I just didn't want to show favoritism. <laughs> so, but I pray this over my kids. And I pray this over this church. So I'm going to ask you now to indulge me. And get on your knees if you're able physically. And we're going to pray this together. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to lay the name or names of someone on your heart right now. And that person might be you. You might need to pray this over yourself so that you can experience this love. So let's get on our knees if you can. And I'm just going to use the the pronouns they and them, okay? And I'm going to get on my little comfy mat. (laughs) Okay, let's pray this together. And if you want to fill in the name of the person, go ahead and say it out loud between you and the Lord. Let's pray this together. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower, now just insert the name of your person, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in their heart as they trust in him. Their roots will grow down into God's love and keep them strong. And may they have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May they experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then they will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. 
And Father, we just seal this prayer right now, Lord. We lift up these names. We lift up the names that we have have spoken before your throne. Lord, we ask that your kingdom would be expanded. Lord, we ask that you would allow us to partner with you in the expansion of your kingdom, Lord, that we would be ambassadors for you. We ask that you would continue to pour out your spirit on each one of us. Draw us deeper toward you, Lord. Let your love be something that we can experience, Lord. Let that grow deep so that we can know, so that we can have an inner strength. We can have power to know you and to know your love that surpasses knowledge. We surrender this to you, Lord, and we praise you and we thank you in advance because we know that you're doing a good thing. And we say again, thank you for your love. We respond by saying back, we love you. Can you just say that to him? Say, we love you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Was that practical for you guys to know how to pray? Yes? No? Yeah? I just encourage you. Pray this over your spouse. Pray this over your kids, your neighbors, your friends, your enemies. You know, the Bible does say that we should pray for those that hate us. Bless those that persecute us. This is a really good way of doing warfare against your neighbors who hate you. (laughs) Right? All right, I love you all.